This podcast is now brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And it's everything you need to make a podcast great in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Breaking the Barrier. This is Episode 8. My name is Andrew Lorenzo. For the next two years, I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a two-hour and 40-minute marathon. For my first marathon in October of 2018, I ran just under four and a half hours. So I'll be looking to shave almost two hours off of that time. I certainly have my work cut out for me. With the help of running coaches and fitness experts, I'll push myself harder than I ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Breaking the Barrier. I'm Andrew Lorenzo. Thank you for listening. And you can find, follow, and download this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and the podcast app, or at SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Breaking the Barrier Running. I also really encourage you to check out the Facebook page where you can find updates on my journey and feel free to share some accomplishments or questions towards your journey as well, whether that be athletic or just in everyday life. Facebook.com forward slash Breaking the Barrier Running. So I want to give a congratulations to a friend of mine, Mark. He is the fearless leader of the WinFit Running Club that I'm currently part of. He's an amazing guy. He's like, when I say fearless leader, the guy shows up, always gives a thousand percent. He will always do the workouts that he prescribes the rest of us. And, and nine times out of ten, he freaking blitzes it. It's crazy. And the tenth time out of ten, he's generally helping one of us to become better runners. So really just an amazing guy. He got his level two advanced coaching certificate from Athletics Australia today, today at the time of this recording. And that's that's really, really huge deal. So of course, he's an accredited coach and he has been and working up toward this level. So yeah, the guy's an inspiration to me. Congratulations, Mark. Really well done. I can't wait to see you at WinFit. I'd like to also say congratulations to Jody, who actually ran the Afterglow Trail half marathon with me a couple weeks ago. Little did I know she was actually sitting next to me on the bus heading up to the starting line while I was recording that section that I recorded on the bus. The only way that I found out is because she messaged me earlier and said that she had listened to the podcast and she was sitting right next to me at the time that I was recording it. So that's really funny. It's such a small world. She actually completed the Afterglow for the second time, and the first time for her was a few years back. She got a PB this time of 9 minutes and 17 seconds. So a PB of 9 minutes and 17 seconds is incredible. I was talking to Jody earlier today, and we both agree that when you get to a certain point of your running, you crave just every extra second that you can get off of your time. So the fact that she got 9 minutes and 17 seconds off her time, really amazing job. Awesome. Congratulations. Especially in a race like that where parts of that trail were just brutal. Awesome stuff. So what I want to remind you guys of today and gals of today is the Facebook post and the Instagram post that I put up. I'd really love to hear about your goals in terms of what you would attempt if you could not fail. I had a really nice feedback on that question when I posted the episode, so I'd really like to make another episode completely about that, just a community listener episode, which will hopefully tie up the end of the year. And uh, yeah, I'd love to share everything about that, so make sure that you get on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash breaking the barrier running, or my personal Facebook page and just message me your ideas of what you would attempt if you could not fail. Also, you can check out my Instagram, Andrew Lorenzo Actor, and you can message me there. I'd, I'd really love to hear your stories, and I can't wait to showcase them for the end of the year episode. So what I'd like to touch on today is perceived failure. 
and what that can do to your state of mind, to your the way that you're feeling about setting the goal or completing the goal that you've already set. Now, this kind of ties in with the last episode. So if you've been paying attention, you know that I like to move on from episode to episode and build on something from the previous episode. It's what I like to call progression. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk about perceived failure today. And the reason that I really want to get into this is because I had a, a bit of a bumpy road this week. So a couple things affected me this week. So first off, a, a bit of an update. Obviously, I'm, I'm running the Canberra Marathon in April here in Australia. So what I'd actually like to do is lose a couple of pounds, a couple of kilograms before I get there. Uh, the reason being is I want to see how that affects my performance. Now, I don't want to, I'm not going to go too crazy. I'm not going to worry about it too much, but I am going to make it part of my part of my journey. So I weigh in at about 83 kilograms now. I'd like to get down to 75 before the marathon in April. So that in non-metric terms would be about 180, so about 180 pounds to uh, a goal weight of about 165. So it's not a huge jump, and I've been at that weight before. I have hit that weight before, but it'll be interesting to see what it does for my speed. I'm not going to go on any crash diets. I'm working with my nutritionist, Paul James, who, of course, we heard on, on a previous episode. And the way that I'm going about getting into this is a way that I've I've had success with before. So it is a ketogenic type approach. So keto, you know, low carb, which just for the first few days, I go very, very low carb to kick my body into ketosis. And then once that passes, we, we start introducing the carbs back in because obviously as a distance runner, I need carbohydrates. I want to develop my body in terms of how it uses fuel so I can become a bit of a more of a fat adapted runner, which means instead of using so many carbs for my runs, my body gets used to using fat for fuel. And the way that I do that is a couple things. A, I need to tweak my diet. B, I work a lot with heart rate training at the moment. And also every now and then I go on a, a, deplete, a depletion run, which means I'll do a long distance run and I'll try not to have any energy gels or anything like that. I've also just started using a new type of, well, I will start using a new type of nutrition for my long runs, which which is a lower carb approach. But anyway, so there's that. That's the book report of, of what's going on with me right now. So I've just finished up the first three days of getting into ketosis, so I'll be introducing carbs in, which is so much fun. I'm so excited. After three days of no carbs, you just you feel like you need them. And it's going to be healthy. It's, you know, oatmeal, sweet potato, that sort of thing, maybe even some beans. But anyway, so I had a run the other day and was right in the middle of that low-carb start. And it was really rough. It was really rough for me. And in the back of my mind, I knew that it was rough because I was going low carb, right? So it it was a seven mile run, plus I had eight strides at the end of it. So, so strides are eight to 10 seconds of close to your mile pace. So not quite a full all out sprint, but fast enough that it gets your fast twitch muscles working and you've got, you can keep good form, but it's not an all out sprint. So in that run, it was like I said, the, the beef of the run was seven miles, supposed to be an easy run. Now, I've done seven miles before, and I can usually keep anywhere for a nine, nine and a half minute mile pace. Now, the reason that I choose that pace is because that's where my heart rate settles at around 145 to 150. And that's, for me, a, a good way to get my body into burning fat. And also, if you train at that speed and keep your heart rate lower... Eventually, you'll be able to train faster with the same heart rate. So it, it helps you build speed in the long run. On this particular run, maybe three or four miles in, I really started feeling lethargic. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't continue. It was really hard. I mean, I finished the run, but not without a few walk breaks. 
and I haven't taken walk breaks in a really, really long time for anything, really. I've, I've, I've run up to 15 and 16 miles since the marathon, and I haven't taken any walk breaks since. So that day, the other day when I was in that middle of that low-carb sesh, it was a real kind of heartbreaking moment because, again, I knew in the back of my mind why it was happening, but you have two types of thought processes, processes in your brain, the, the logical and the emotional, right? So my logical brain was telling me, yeah, you're, you're low on carbs, dude, like, don't be so hard on yourself. But my emotional brain was like, you're failing, like, you're better than this. Why, why aren't you pushing harder? Why is this happening? And that's that was really that was really hard. So it was a perceived failure, even though everything that I I knew was telling me that that wasn't the case. I was perceiving it as a failure, and this happens to us more often than not in our in our lives. So I guess the point is, what do we do when that happens? At that time, when you're perceiving yourself to be failing at whatever it is that you're trying to do, that's the most dangerous part of your journey because it's at that time where you're most likely going to give up. I mean, even for me in in that moment, in those moments, I started thinking about all the negatives and all the things that I haven't achieved yet. For example, I haven't been able to hold a pace at my goal marathon pace for a sub 240 marathon, which is a 605 mile or a 345 kilometer. So I started thinking about that and I'm like, well, why haven't I been able to do that yet? I, I should be able to at least get a kilometer in at three minutes and 45 seconds or a mile in at six minutes and five seconds. And the truth is, I haven't tested myself. I haven't really gone all out, but I, I might be able to do that at this point in time. But because I was failing or per perceiving myself to be failing, I started thinking about all the negatives and I started second guessing myself. I started thinking, what if I can't do this? What if I'll never achieve this goal? What's, what am I going to do? And, and that's the kind of stuff that can really spiral you down into a hole that is really hard to get out of. So when you recognize that that's what's happening and it's all about that acknowledgement, that accepting that that's what's happening, you have to start to talk yourself off the ledge a little bit. That all starts with your confidence levels. So we've got to start building our confidence, right? That's the most important thing. Marie Curie once said, Life is not easy for any of us. But what of that? We must have perseverance and above all, confidence in ourselves. We must believe that we are gifted for something and that this thing, at whatever cost, must be attained. So that speaks to me in a couple different ways. A, right off the bat, she said, life ain't easy. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's going to try to flip you upside down and roll you over every time it can. I'm not saying that life sucks. <laughs> life does not suck. Sometimes it's not fair, but life is a gift. Life is a gift that you have to use to the best of your ability. But there are going to be times when you have to make a decision on whether or not you're going to really go for it. And that all starts with the belief or the non-belief in yourself. I'll take this past week as an example. So there were a couple of setbacks. First off, running on carb depletion is not easy. But second, one of the biggest things that didn't only affect me, probably affected a lot of people. Here in Australia, we're heading into summer. And the summers can get pretty harsh. Luckily, the one good thing about the... The unpredictable weather of Melbourne is that when it gets hot, it doesn't usually stay hot for more than a few days. But when it does get hot, it reaches temperatures of about 35 to 40 degrees Celsius, which is about 95 to 105 degrees Fahrenheit. So it might not sound really hot to those of you who live somewhere in like Death Valley, but for, for Melbourne, for Victoria, you feel it because the sun is really strong down here. So when it gets that hot, running becomes a really hard task. And for me personally, I know that when it gets that hot, I need to be mindful that 
I'm not going to be performing at optimum levels. Like if I run a four and a half minute kilometer for a for a 5k race, I know that if it's 35 degrees or about 95 degrees or whatever, that's probably going to turn into a five or five and a half minute kilometer. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that that's a safety precaution, but also your body just can't really go at peak performance sometimes in that heat. So this past week, I had a workout at the track, and it was on a night that it was about 38 degrees. That's a little bit over 100 degrees, I think. And it was brutal. It was tough. I couldn't complete the required laps. Well, I couldn't complete the prescribed laps. We were supposed to do eight times 500 meters, and I only did six. Part of that was because I had already run in the morning, but another big part of that was because I knew that I needed to take it easy, and I had to accept that. I needed to accept that I wasn't going to be able to go at my full peak performance, and even if I had, even if I had done eight 500-meter dashes, I, I probably wouldn't have done it at the speed that I normally do it. So on a 500 meter dash, I can probably anywhere from four, four and a half minute kilometer on a, on a good day at the moment, I probably wouldn't have tried to do anything in less than five minutes. So five to five and a half minute kilometers where I was kind of sticking. And that can be really defeating if you're not really used to that. If you've come off a solid couple of months of really having great times and you're progressing and you're getting better and better and then all of a sudden this hot day kicks you in the face and basically tells you not you you can't you can't operate at peak performance today but you got to be confident in the fact that that's you know that's a situation where it's it's beyond your control and that happens but you got to be confident in knowing that even though you couldn't operate at peak performance that run, that struggle, is going to make you better in the long run. One of my friends from WinFit, a guy named Jeff, he, he's a funny guy. He's, uh, he kind of he basically tells it like it is. But one of the things that he said was, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Be smart. But that struggle will make you better in the long run, and it'll make those runs that you do in cooler weather that much easier. And that's so true. When you struggle like that, you need to be knowing that when it gets back to normal, the run is going to be so much better. Like I know when I get back to a normal temperature or when I replenish my carbs that I depleted, the run is going to be so much better. I'll be able to complete that seven mile run without stopping and I'll do it in a better time and it won't feel like it was such a struggle. So you have to be confident in knowing that changes are happening no matter what and especially with your body and with your fitness it's really funny there's a lot of the times when you're when you're working on a goal that it seems that you're at a stalemate and that nothing's happening you're not progressing but then all of a sudden you wake up and on one day and it's just like whoa I can feel that something is different for example last year I I went into a body transformation mode to to prepare for some roles that I had in in film and, and stage. And there was a couple of moments where I felt that my progress had stopped. And it was really demotivating. And when that stuff happens, like especially with diet and nutrition and fitness and everything, when when stuff like that happens, it's really easy to just fall into a slump and just start eating junk food and not working out because you're... This may just sort of coming along and pretending that I know what I'm doing kind of thing. You yeah. Know? So just a, a bit of imposter syndrome was going on there. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And yeah. how, how did you, how did you, did that, I mean, how did you get past that? Because that, for a lot I of people. I didn't really, okay, quite frankly. Enough. I was going to say, that, that would probably, yeah, freeze people in their tracks. So you just no, I just keep going. Like, I, yeah. I can feel things, but just make myself behave like normal, like I'm happy and confident and all that. But, you know, inside I'm like, nah, that, you know. <laughs> what am I doing here but like like when it was an hour before the start line and I was there with Stephanie Case I was hyperventilating really yeah like we're standing on the start line and I was I was so and she's like it's it's all right as well calm down but I was 
really nervous, freaky night thinking, oh my God, this is going to start and I'm going to be doing Barkley marathons. Yeah. It wasn't just the race itself. It was the whole concept that was making me freak out. Right. So, you know, it is a big deal for like, like you yourself, how much you love it and, and that sort of thing. And once you're doing it, you just, you think it's just surreal. Mm. And so then you start panicking, like, you know, freaking out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and how many, who did you have there sort of with you to, I'm, I'm hoping that your team was there to help calm you down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, no. I mean, I had a friend of mine, Stephen Redfern. Yep. Um, I'd only just met him, like the races, it was, you know, end of March. I'd only just met him in January. I just got, I lived in Canada last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, about a week or two after I got back from Canada, <clears throat> I went and did um, Bergen to Hotham. Okay. And um, a friend of Nikki's is Stephen Redfern. And I met him and his wife, Penny. And it worked, turned out that he loves bar, everything to do with Barclay too. And then when I needed someone to crew, I said, would you like to? And he came over, yeah. unbelievably, hardly knowing me, and he crewed for me. Awesome. So, <clears throat> yeah, so Stephen was great. He was awesome. But, you know, he, was, um, he, couldn't, he wasn't right there on the start line with me when yeah. I was freaking out like that. So okay. I, don't, I don't even know if he really knows that I was freaking out quite that much. So, yeah, right. Well, you have, yeah. to, you have to let him listen to this. So he knows that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and... So, t- talk to us a little bit about how the race starts. Well, it's funny because when you watch it on the TV, it looks as if everyone kind of walks off almost. I don't yeah. know if you noticed, but that's just the back people. The front people absolutely went flat, chat, sprinting. Right. And I'm running off and like, oh my God, like I couldn't believe, I wasn't expecting it to go that quite that fast. Then you um go up basically the same way as the Barclay Fall Classic. Mm. And you, you stick to trails for a little while. So you are on trails. It's not all off trail. There's actually quite a large component on trails. Okay. So the first section is all on trail and kind of everyone just got away from me. Also probably because I'd been hyperventilating and <laughs> carrying on like a pork chop. I was a little bit not quite, not quite right, not quite right. with it. So then kind of, you know, um, everyone got away from me. But then I, the first bit that went off trail, I could see a guy not that far ahead of me. So I sprinted to catch up with him and... We find the first book together and then we went through this other bit off trail and then um, I ended up going ahead because he was struggling uphill. And you just kind of come across different people on the way Mm. and, you know, it's kind of doing off-trail sections that connect to trail and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then just finding the books. And the first few books weren't that hard to find. I'm thinking, oh, what what was everyone complaining about with these cryptic descriptions? It's not that bad. But the worst was yet to come, so... Those were the, f- the first few were the easy ones, and then it got progressively harder to find them. Yeah. So, yeah, and which extended my time out there. Yeah, and, and can you tell tell everybody what the significance of the books are? Well, because they don't have checkpoints, mm. and you don't have, you know, bibs with, with thingies on them to beep over the mats and whatnot, you have to get the book pages to prove that you were at the checkpoints, and the page that you get is related to your... Bib number, which I, I find the whole concept also fascinating of working out the bibs and the page numbers and everything like that right. as well, because you've got to get the right length book and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's an awful as to, to figure out as well. And the the book the books have names that are um, all funny names about, you know, that are kind of related to the feelings that you might be going out through out there. I can't remember. I've still got the pages, but I can't remember offhand the, the names of the books, but they're all quite amusing and, you know. Yeah that sort of thing. Uh, so you collect the pages and then you have to go back to Laz and you have to show him the pages mm. to prove that you went past every checkpoint. And then if he is happy with that and you do it in the correct time, then you get to go out in another lap. Yeah. And what was he like? Was he, is he kind Oh, of, Laz is great. He's he fine. Like he is? Yeah, he is eccentric, but, and he's really smart, but he's not as, he's not, like everyone's like, you know, oh, Laz. But he's actually just a really nice guy who yeah. just has a really cool race. You yeah, know? right. And it was weird because like when when I, when I you register the day before and you have to give the number plate and all that sort of stuff, it honestly felt like just like any other race. Right. It was like I'm just lining up for any other race. It, that was another weird thing because I expected it to feel really special. and But it was just like, wow, this, and you got a buff, you know, and you got a sticker. And it was like this is just like any race where you get your little bag of <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know. It was, Pack of pickup, cool. Yeah, so... Yeah, it was, but it was, I think the whole time I was just, it was, you know, those 
pinch yourself moments where you don't really believe. Yeah. I mean, you believe, but you, it's hard to believe that you're actually there and actually doing it and actually part of it. <clears throat> yeah, it's so surreal. I think that that, you know, it's, I, I mean, I think that that was kind of like my first marathon. Yeah. I guess that would be like a lot of people's first big race. Well, any, like anything that anyone has is something that yeah. they've built up for. Like it could be anything, I guess. It's yeah. Like, yeah, you're finally there. And then, and then in the blink of an eye, it's over and you're like, oh, did it really happen? Yeah. You know, and it did, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but um, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, you know. I wanted to do better. I yeah. had, I'd bought three packs. I had, like, chances of me doing three leaps were pretty re- remote. But yeah. I had to be prepared for it just in case. Sure. So I had the three packs and I had everything, like, each pack fully loaded with exactly what I needed to do. It was needed because if I came in... Not long before I had to go out again, I had to be ready to go. Couldn't yeah. be swapping things between packs and that. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I wanted to be prepared for the best case scenario, which I was, right. but then the worst case scenario happened. So, yeah. yeah. But that, that's racing, you know, any kind of racing. So, you know, that's so, the way it goes. I love that about racing. You just never know. You never know. You, you, no that's matter right. how well prepared. Exactly. You and you can think you are the fittest, the strongest, mm. the best you've been, but. Yeah, it, it, it keeps you real. Yeah, that's the thing. That's it. And what what was what was um, like what were your what were your what were included in your packs? Like, what was your fueling strategy like? What was your? Uh, well, God, I can't even really remember. It was more. I well, it was just you know, like I I I eat the chews and the gels, mm. but I also have real food because also I knew I'd be out there for a while. And when you're out there in the cold and whatnot, you need proper food. You yeah. can't just eat sugary stuff. And I don't cope well with just sugary stuff. Yeah. So I had real food in there as well. Can't really specifically remember what, but, you know, and just, you know, extra jackets because the weather out there can change so easily. Mm. Like we started and I was in shorts and a singlet top, you know, because it was really warm. Yeah. Like, and it had been really warm leading up to it. And by that night it was raining, snowing. The wind was lashing so hard. So, yeah, it was like it's, it's its own microclimate. It's... Yeah, an interesting, interesting climate. Okay. Yeah. And moving forward, so you've 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 gotten the first few book pages and everything. Yeah. What comes up next? What's what's the next big challenge? What's the next? Well, I um, it started to get harder to navigate the course. Like, mm-hmm. there's a certain section which is really hard to navigate, and you can't. Like prior to the race, I'd been able to run around the trails of the the park and sort of get an idea of where I was at, but some sections you weren't allowed into. Okay. So once I sort of got to those sections and I, I was ahead of some other people, but then I just kept getting lost and thinking, this isn't right, this isn't right. So I'd go back and I'd have to go back and wait for them. And then I'd, and then we'd find the book and then I'd speed off again and then I'd get lost again, not really, or not really 100% sure and be second guessing myself. So then I'd go back and wait for them again. Yeah. So I ended up going, this is ridiculous. Now I'm just going to go with them. Yeah. Um, you're just, now you're just doing double basic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, which was ridiculous. So I just stuck with them after that. And um, so it was me, Shaka, this other girl, she was, um, she hadn't done it before either. Yeah. She had won the Barclay Fall Classic. That's how she had gotten in. And um, we were with another guy, a veteran. And uh, after a while, he started to not feel well and that sort of stuff. So then Shark and I went off on our own, navigating and doing all that on our own. So, and, and he knew where all the books were. Right. Like he didn't need the descriptions. He just knew where they were. Okay. So that made it a lot faster and easier. There was one spot, Shark and I, we were searching for a book for an hour and a half in the rain, in the dark. And we ended up just sitting down and just eating and talking because we were getting so frustrated and yeah. so... Like, what do you do? Yeah. Sometimes it's just best to switch off. And then with once we got up again, in about 10, 10 minutes later, we find the book. Yeah. So <clears throat> sometimes you just have to do that. So that's what I mean is a lot of time was wasted looking for books okay. and for second guessing and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. What do you think the hardest part on that, in that sort of section was? And like, if you had to pinpoint the hardest part of the Barclay that you did, what do you reckon? It's probably finding that book. Yeah. Because okay. it was Laz's description and I still, I'm, at the end, I was talking to Laz and I said, that description, I find the book, but yeah. it, I still disagree with your description of it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, but uh, he just laughed at me. 
I can't imagine he would do anything else. <laughs> no, no. I'm sure he didn't go, oh, I can point taken as well. I'll write that better. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so it was that. But th- there were some sections, like some of the, the hills you had to climb were so incredibly steep. Yeah. You know, and to get up them was hard, but also getting down them was hard. You basically just would slide on your butt to get down because that was easiest and fastest okay. anyway. But some of them coming up were really, really steep. And, you know, it's um, autumn over there, so lots of leaves on the ground, which makes it slipperier and that sort of thing. To be honest, um, the briars, I know everyone goes on about the briars and how scratched you get. I actually find them way less bad at the Barclay than at the Fall Classic because Fall Classic spring. Okay. And so they're in full growth. Sure. You know, and uh, really, really bad then. Yeah, right. Whereas I didn't get that much scratched up. Mind you, I only did one leap, so. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> only, yeah. Well, you know. So <clears throat> I didn't find the briars themselves that bad, considering. Yeah. But it, it, there wasn't, and, and other than finding the book, there wasn't even specifically one thing that was the toughest. It's all just it all put together. Yeah. You know, because like it was the weather that added to it. Like once Shaka and I, we were, we'd gotten all the pages, right? All we had to do was run back to camp. Yeah. it We were lost on top of the mountain for like over an hour yeah. because we couldn't find the path. And we'd both done the Fall Classic. It was the same path. We'd both been up there in training just to check it out. We knew what we were doing. We had compasses and everything. And then it would just, and we just could not for the life of us find this path. So it was just, it was just one of these, you know, sometimes just crazy things happen when it's dark and it's raining and you're frazzled and you're hungry and tired and you know yeah yeah and so is that is that once you found that last page and trying to get back to camp that's i guess where so once you finally did obviously you did because you're here yeah that's right (laughs) so what what happened when you got back to book uh to camp well we just you know it was like two in the morning or something ridiculous one or two in the morning so we just ran into camp and, and I'm like, I've got my pages for Laz and I go, here are my pages. He goes, I don't want to see them. I'm like, no, no, you need to look at them. And he's like, no, but it doesn't matter. Like, you're not going to go through anyway. Wow. And I'm like, but I want you to look at them just to just to look at them. But yeah. goes, no. So, because there's no point. I was over time. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether I had all the pages or not. Wow. Yeah. That's harsh. Yeah, I know. I would have freaked out. I want you to prove I want you to know that I actually did it. But yeah, so but we we stood there in the rain just talking with Laz for probably twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, it was just it was so we just it was so funny. And just having so much fun and everyone was to, you know, there was I mean there wasn't everyone I say everyone, there was probably about four or five people because yeah. everyone who was sane was in bed or, you know, either that or out out in the out racing. So, um, but, you know, I was unhappy with what I'd done, really disappointed, but there were many women still behind me. So it was mm. like, it wasn't like I was last. It was just, it was not what I wanted to do. Okay. But it also proved to me that I needed to work on my navigation and also doing better at the start. Yeah. And, and so how long were you out there? Uh, 16 hours or yeah. something. Wow. And for the first, and like, it's not. You know, like they, what do they say? It is twenty miles, but I think I think it's more than that. But still, even then, it's yeah, it's not it's not a big distance that we're talking about here. But um, it was just trying to find everything and yeah. But you know, parts of it were really good fun. Like when we're out there with the other people and we're talking and we're laughing and it was really good fun. And you know, I was spewing because you couldn't take your phone with you. I couldn't take photos or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, right. You know, but um, but the, you know, that's fair enough. That's fine. So, yeah, it was just, it was an amazing experience. Like, I really, I was so glad that I did it, you know. Like, it was a big deal going all the way over there and all that sort of stuff. But it was really, it was really worth the effort. Yeah. And now now that you've learned a little bit of the things that you need to work on, will you, do you think you'll try to do it again? Yeah, yeah. I've done, I've written up my application. It's ready to go. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I will be doing that at the required time. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what, what like, is is there a cutoff or a Because de- I know it's not a normal registration process. Is yeah, there's a certain date and time that you have to, yeah. an exact time yeah, okay. that you have to kind of hit send on the email yeah. to make sure it's the exact correct time, yeah. so which was a stressful moment. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's very stressful. When I did it, because I was living in Canada at the time, you yeah. know, but so it was, you know, all different times. and. I had about four clocks just sitting there, so I would have the exact time, and I had, you know, the satellite clock and everything. Yeah. So it was the exact time. 
just to make sure. Because, of course, I was second-guessing myself even with that, with the timing of it. Right. But, yeah, it obviously worked because I got in. So, you you know, I figure that should work again this time. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we expect big things. No, no, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've worked on my navigation, but I'm still, I'm no Rogainer like some of these people who are really good. So, you know, but sometimes it's more than that. It's not just navigation and it's not... Just being a runner, to, because to be honest, like with any trail ultra, it's you know there's a lot of hiking. So, but it's not just being a good hiker; it's it's a combination of everything. Yeah. So, it's many elements that make a good good racer at Barclay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that that segues really well into what I wanted to talk about next. Like, how did you how did you train for this thing? So, if we just like unpack that a little bit, what well, was the training process like? It was hard because, like I said, I was in Canada once. I find out, and they ended up having like not long after or around that time, huge snow dumps. So there was a huge amount of snow. Couldn't do any navigation work whatsoever. And so, and, you know, the mountain, the mountains that you would want to run up, well, you really couldn't because you were, um, you would be having to break trail and often up to your knees and that's really hard work. I mean, it's great for leg strength, but it's not really what you're after. So then I got back to Australia. So I went from there, it was freezing, huge amount of snow, got back to Australia and like this, it was, you know, mid thirties and all that sort of stuff. And I went straight, Boxing Day was my first navigation lesson. So I got back on the 23rd by Boxing Day, I was having my first all day navigation lesson. Yep. And then I just worked on doing as much navigation as I could. But of course, there's no real navigation races that time of year because of the fire risk. Yeah. So they can't send people yep. out into the bush like that. So I couldn't do any racing before the race. I've been able to do row gains and that sort of stuff over winter since the Barclay. But before then, I just had to do the best I could, Yeah. you know. And and like I, I think I did, like I learned it fairly well. Mm. But once again, doing any of these, these things under race pressure is completely different to doing it while you're just mucking around, it, you know, yeah. in the local forest or park or whatever. What I did was I um I went onto the Victorian Orienteering whatever site, and they actually in different parks all around Melbourne, they have um, certain checkpoints set up, and you can buy the maps and all that sort of stuff, and then you can orienteer and you have to find these different little checkpoints they have okay. hidden around the parks. Yeah, cool. It's really awesome. That's all. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, right. I did a, a lot of that, and I also just sort of set up little courses in the Dandenongs, but that's really overgrown and really tough. But yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah. So I just I did what I could basically, and then just lots of hill work, hiking work, that sort of stuff. And is there anything that you think? I mean, obviously, with the navigational stuff at at Barclay, is there anything in your training that you think that you do much different, or do you think you just? I think more of. Or? I think I'm good enough at hiking. I need to, you know, I need to focus on other things as mm. well. Like I think I spent, I was fussing too or stressing too much about that which probably made me a bit slower. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, I can hike, you know, I don't don't think I need to practice that. That's also, that's <laughs> also me being lazy, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go for a hike. <laughs> Who needs to run today? There you go. So, you know, but um, focusing more on, on that and um, working more on the staying up overnight. Like, I managed to stay awake that night, not a problem. Yeah. Because I had so much to focus on, I wasn't worried about sleeping. Okay. So that was fine for me. So it just depends on the race situation. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I – I just – I don't know. I also went into that I was sick once I got there. I wasn't well. I know. Like, I couldn't believe it. So, I know, I had this horrible cold, fluey thing. But I think that was also all the pressure I was putting on myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. that and that stress of that really gets to you. So, you know, and I had just – I'd done so much. What was just coming back from Canada and then straight away, straight back off to the... St- uh, it was just a lot, a lot for me to do. Yeah. You know, because from Canada, I had to pack up my whole life again after living there and into suitcases and come all the way back here and then try and sort everything out and train and go back to work. And <clears throat> yeah, it was really tough. So, you know, but that's that's life, you know. But I think f- if if I get... When I get in next year... There you go. <laughs> let's be positive... Uh, when I when I get in next year, fingers crossed, I will be I will feel just generally more prepared. Okay. 
just because I'm not having to deal with all other stuff as well. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, and just having a bit more experience row gaining, more experience being there in the park. I know quite a few people there now, yeah. you know, from the race. We're all friends on Facebook and we chat regularly and all that sort of stuff. So I feel just generally more comfortable with it all. Yeah. Yeah, cool. and I think that in and of itself helps as well, just that feeling of sort of knowing what you're getting yourself in for a bit more. Yeah. And maybe I won't have a panic attack this time on the start line. You're helping. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. That Okay. If I were to say, mm, I mean, you've kind of answered it already, but I'm, I'm curious, maybe two years ago. Yeah. Talking to Izzy two years ago, knowing that this thing is coming up. Yeah. What would you say to yourself? Well, I, oh, what would I say to myself? Yeah. Two years ago. I don't know. All I know is I used to think no way would I ever be able to do it. Mm. I used to think not a hope. Wow. And because I used to have friends every time it came on going, you'd be perfect for this, sending me messages on Facebook. Why don't you enter? You'd be perfect. I'm like, nah, not me. I couldn't do that. So two years ago, I would have said, I, I wouldn't have even believed that I was doing it, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. But then once I think, I don't, I don't know what changed. I just thought, I'm just going to give it a crack and see what happens. Yeah. And then I just got in. Amazing things yeah. can happen. In yeah. Yeah. I think when you just let it, let it go and, mm. and don't worry too much. It was just like I'm just going to apply and see what happens. And if I get in, then I'll worry about it when I get in. Yeah. So then I got in. You know. But yeah, two years ago I wouldn't have believed it, okay. so I wouldn't have known what to say. Wow. I probably would have said, "Don't stuff this up, Isabel." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Fair yeah. enough. I like that. Don't stuff it up. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. All right. Well, now this next one, this 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 is going to be. I asked this question to everybody, yeah. and it actually it stemmed from an episode way back when I first started. I think it was like episode ten or something, and I was speaking about the fear of failure and the fear yeah. of success. And I yeah. posed a question to my audience what they would attempt if they could not fail, and it became an episode in of itself. Okay. Cool. So, Isabel Ross. Yes. What would you attempt if you knew you could not fail? And the Barclays don't count. Oh, bugger. Uh, what would I? Jeez. Um, if I knew I couldn't fail. Well, what are we talking about as failure here? I think I'm just uh, procrastinating here. Um, <laughs> Anything at all. Running, not running. Fitness, not fitness. <clears throat> hmm. Well, I know one thing. Well, fail. What do you mean Fail. So, I mean, fail as in, so I knew I could do it in the first go. Okay. Because, I mean, obviously, failure is not a bad thing. Yeah, that's what I'm, because I'm, um, that's what I'm meaning is like, and what do you mean, yeah, by fail? Is fail not doing it or getting partway, like, yeah. So, yeah, fail is doing it on the first try, I think. Okay. See, this is interesting, everybody, because nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> so, there you go. So, now I just got put on the spot. And that's the answer for everybody moving forward. Get it on the first try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've always wanted to skydive. Cool. But I'm really scared and I'm scared that I would get up there and go, nah, I'm not going to do it. I can't. Okay. But I really, really, really want to do it. And is it the heights? Or is it? It's the... the heights. It's everything. It's not being in Spartan, um, but it is going to be one of the branches of Spartan. Yeah. I, I, I really believe, Andrew, that this is going to take off, man. I, I think we're... Um, we're going in the right direction. And, you know, the reason why I say that is because, you know, the, the fitness industry has just exploded. Uh, you know, I was looking at some stats the other day and, you know, there's a, there's 170 million club studio and gym members in the world now. Wow. And um, so when you, and then, and then there's over 200,000, you know, health club studios, whatever, you know, fitness entity is out there. There's 200,000 of them out there servicing people. And so that's, that's a major, major audience. And so I think once these things, these things take off, um, the sky's the limit. And, um, you know, you, you're going to get a brand that's behind something that, you know, is, I, I just think we're going to create some experiences for people that they've never had before. Yeah. Um, when it comes to fitness, I mean, uh, being a guy that's been involved in fitness, we, we know that there's a lot of negative uh, associations with fitness because it's not easy it's time consuming there's all these different excuses right sure. well i i think this this you know just beats through the excuses and gives people a reason 
um, and, a, and a belief in themselves that they can do these things. It's, it's very, um, I, I don't even like to say motivational because we know that motivation can come and go. Yep. But it does, I think what it does is it motivates you to get disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the end game. Uh, and that's, that's really, when you boil it down to it, that's why people, you know, fail or quit. It's just, it's, it's nothing else. You can just say it's lack of discipline. It might be lack of discipline for other reasons, like they want that piece of cake or they're too, they don't want to go for that run in the morning or they don't want to get up 20 minutes earlier before work to do what they need to do, but it's discipline. Uh, so I think, yeah, the more that we can instill that in the people, the better. Yeah. And we know, you know, we, we've got to get inspired too, you know, and, and I want people that to, to experience a lifestyle of fitness, not just, you know, certain periods of their life. And, you know, a lot of people use age as an excuse. You know, I have a, I have a good friend of mine that, uh, you know, he just climbed three mountains in one day, you know, and he is, he's, he's 65 years old. Wow. And, and he trains in the gym every day. He trains with a purpose. Um, he's, he's on the mountain rescue team, uh, locally in Oregon. Um, he's just one example. And I'm going, if, if that guy can do it, why can't the rest of us do it? You know, like that's the guy I want to be. And, and I want to be able to be that for my grandkids. I want to, you know, I want to find purpose in everything that we do. And I've worked with all levels of fitness for so many years. And I keep telling them, it's like, you know, it's just like Simon Sinek talks about, you know, your why, right? Well, you got to find your why with fitness. And I think if you find your why, then, then you're going to, you're going to experience that lifestyle. Absolutely. And that's the, that is the one constant, no matter who I talk to, you know, that is the constant. I, I, you need to know your why, because if you don't have that, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now where can people go to learn more about DecaFit? Like what is, uh, what's the website where, where can they go to check it out on Instagram? What's the, what's the go? Yeah, right now we've we've got a landing page because, like I said, we've been moving so fast. So Deca dot fit is is the landing page, and the website is currently getting in development or is in development. In fact, that we're going back and forth on a on a color scheme <laughs> just a half hour before I, I started talking to you. Um, but they go to Deca dot fit. You can also register for for our Denver event on March twenty first. Um, you can also go to our, our social uh, media platforms. So on Instagram, it's DecaDotFit. And on Facebook, it's DecaFit. Um, so those are, those are the, the three opportunities to check out and see what we're all about. Um, we've been getting some great coverage, some great response from the fitness community. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just been really embraced. And I've got, you know, a, a really strong network uh, of fitness um, folks that are out there in the industry. And, and you know, we, we did a promotion for our licensing program, for example, and I already have 200 gyms involved wow. and engaged in DecaFit. So now, now we got to make sure we, get, we deliver and give them all their marketing collateral. Yeah, fair um, enough. But man, it, it's, it's just been overwhelming. So um, I know the fitness world is excited about this and, and we're going to continue to promote that arena. Um, and then we're also going to connect more with what Spartan's already created around the world. Yeah, rock on. That is exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this thing unfolds. I can't wait until it comes to Australia or I move back to the States. Who knows? But I, I can't wait to see how it Hey, I, I, I've got no problem with coming to Australia. <laughs> Do it, man. We've got some awesome Spartan courses already. Now we need the DecaFit. We've got plenty of places yeah. to do it. <laughs> I know, man. I, I, count me in. Rock on. All right, man. Well, look, uh, thank you so much. This has been awesome. So much information. I'm really excited to put this out. And uh, like I said, I can't say it enough. I'm stoked to see where DecaFit goes. And as always, I'm, I'm excited to see where Spartan goes and, you know, what new venture joe wants to do and 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 how we go from there yeah well hey man i, I i've seen you i've been checking you out on the social uh on the instagram i know you've been getting after it so so keep doing what you're doing man because you're you're not just you're you're a role model of of what you talk about and i i think that's awesome no thanks man that that means a lot coming from coming from you that's that's awesome thank you so much yeah 
Well, I hope to see you in the future. I'm, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon about everything that's going on and, and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on, Andrew. And uh, I look forward to talking to you in the future. No worries. Rock on. Thank you again so much, Jared, for that boatload of information. I can't wait to get it out. It's very exciting times for the Spartan and the DecaFit. So I hope that you all check out the show notes because, of course, I'll have information in there about the websites you can visit, the social media platforms, not only for DecaFit but for Spartan as well. And I'll also have a link to Jared's website so you can check out a little bit more about him too. So before I wrap up today, I just want to give a quick shout out to my episode sponsors. Of course, Generation You Can, which is the sports nutrition that I use to fuel my hard workouts and long runs. Speaking of Spartan, I definitely utilized Generation You Can for the trifecta weekend in Bright this year, especially with the beasts climbing up that mountain, you know, going all the way up, all the way down, plus the obstacles in between. You need to have steady and long-lasting energy that'll sustain you for the long haul. So for that particular event, I had a half a bar before I took part in the race, and then about a half a bar every hour, hour and a half or so. And that really, really helped fuel me for a hard workout because you're going to be up there for four, five, six hours at a time. You need it. Of course, I also utilize the protein-enriched powder for some of my long runs and post-nutrition, which is a great way to fuel your muscles and to start that recovery, which is so well needed after those workouts. So to get in on that action, you can visit www.generationyoucan.com.au and use the coupon code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first order. Again, that's generationyoucan.com.au and use the coupon code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. I also want to give a quick shout out to Audible, of course, the internet's largest resource for ebooks. I'm recommending The Spartan Way by Joe DeSena, of course, today, which is a book that I'm currently reading, which is all about how to live your best life physically and mentally as the Spartans do and did and unleash your warrior within. So visit audibletrial.com forward slash breaking the barrier for your free trial and claim your free ebook. And again, I'm recommending The Spartan Way by Joe DeSena. So look, DecaFit sounds like it's going to be a great and amazing new venture for the Spartan. It's going to be great for all levels and it's going to be a great way to test yourself and to keep yourself going and to set those constant goals to push yourself further and further and further and to become a better version of yourself as time goes by. So I had some really great takeaways from Jared. Of course, not only the information about the DecaFit, but some of the things that we want to put toward our daily lives. You want to have a strong enough reason to keep going and set those constant goals. Figure out what your why is. I've said it so many times on the podcast before. You've got to have a strong why. Compete against yourself. You know, that's what matters. What can you do to improve your personal DECA mark? And climb your personal mountain to get to the top. I loved that. You've got to climb the mountain to get to the top. You're not going to stop halfway. If you're going to do it, do it. Set your target and go for it and don't sell yourself short. Strive to get to the top always. And find that belief within yourself to know that you can do these things and find the discipline to go above and beyond. Be the version of yourself that you want to be. Don't wait for it. Go and grab it. So that's going to conclude today's episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.